I am blessed to be here this morning with you. I'm very, very, I look forward. I start preparing my messages on Sunday afternoon because I, I look forward to be here next Sunday. I hope I could preach here more often, like Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. <laughs> it is really exciting because when I come here, it's so uh, sweet. Everybody is being nice with me and so kind. I appreciate that. I think I've been uh, sharing part of my testimony of my life in Venezuela and here with you. In every sermon, I put a little bit. And I think I told you that I grew up or I was baptized in an evangelical church, um, missionary church from the Evangelical Alliance Mission. But then for some reason, 1984, my family was called to plant a church. And we even were able to find a pastor after that church started growing, maybe 1989, something like that. We got a pastor. Uh, this pastor was a little bit more charismatic, more uh, done to visions. And they put same balance with... Uh, supernatural things with the Word of God. We have to be very careful when we do those kind of things because the Word of God is complete. I believe that the Word of God is complete. I even came to the United States in 96 hoping that the Holy Spirit would baptize me and I could fall down and speak in tongues. That was my hope in 1996. I went to Southeastern here in Wake Forest and I heard many of the classes and I agree with the teachers on where those gifts are nowadays. So you have to, you, you can be careful. I'm not going to be here but I still have some of those uh, traditions that we had. For example, I come to church and I get excited. Very, maybe it's my personality, but um, I cry. I cry. You're going to see me before we, we, I come up here. I have to, Lord, please help me stop crying. Help me stop crying so I can stand up. I just wonder. I say, Lord, the, one of the biggest things that is in my mind goes to my mind is why am I here when there are so many people that can speak English better than I do? Why don't you bring somebody else? And then the Lord says, remember, today's your last Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be somebody else. So I get a relief. So I like to be here, but at the same time, my, my amazement is why does the Lord choose me to be here? And part of my life has been um, there was nobody else to do it. When I learned to preach, I was 15 years old. We had no pastor in our church. It was a large church. I was a pastor, so I was asked to... I mean, somebody taught me a little bit how to preach, so I stood up and started preaching. And then the organ, nobody was at the organ, so I learned how to play the organ. When I came to America, there was nobody, some, nobody to, to uh, teach Sunday school in Spanish in the church, so I started teaching Sunday school, and so on. Everything has been like that. If I tell you story after story after story, um, it, will, it will be funny. It will be funny. It will, be, it will take too long. But this week, something interesting happened is that talking with a guy who now became my boss, he is out of Houston, Texas. We work together online with different issues, different things for churches. It's called uh, Church Coach, Coach Church Ministries. It's wonderful what we do there. It happened that he was looking for a person who spoke Spanish because the person that he had had a stroke and he's not able to work anymore. He's not going to work, not, nothing at all. So he found me through a common friend through my son's past, it's a long story, but we're working and all of a sudden we start talking about an architect that he has been doing this and I said, I'm an architect. He said, you can't be an architect. I said, yes, I'm an architect. I study architecture. We don't have an architect. We need an architect to do this and this and this and this. Okay, I'll jump in. I'm working with a project in Hawaii. I've never been in Hawaii before. (laughs) Only God does that. Why? Because nobody else wanted to do it. I became director of missions in Rowan County when I was a church planner because nobody else wanted to do it. So I think that my life has been, Lord, I'll do it. Help me learn how to do it. But this time, I went six years to school in Venezuela to learn how to be an architect. And there was no architect around, and I could <laughs> take that job. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. One of my assistants is in Venezuela who taught me some things about computer design. So we shared together through my phone, through a computer. It is wonderful with technology. 
even the, the pandemic helped me to communicate, you know, Zoom, those kind of things, Zoom and interaction. It has been wonderful. It's been a blessing for her in Venezuela, for my boss here in Houston, for our client there in Hawaii, and for me here in North Carolina. <laughs> All I have to know is to subtract five. Don't call them at 9 a.m. because they're sleeping in Hawaii, okay? <laughs> but they might try to contact me at 10 p.m. or my 11 p.m., and I'm snoring at that time of the day, but it's interesting. When I was at that church, I told you in, in Venezuela years ago, uh, our pastor brought a preacher very charismatic preacher. From the moment he came in, he came and started when he was in the pulpit. The pulpit is kind of a sacred, sacred place. He said, I feel something. I feel something. There is a couple here that don't have children. And before I leave, I want to pray for that couple to have children. And of course, there was a young couple, maybe two or three years married. But they had decided that until she finished college, until she finished college, they will not have children. Okay? So they got married when they were young. She went through college, he went through college, but she was still two or three years. And then the pastors come, the, the preacher, I'm sorry, the preacher come to the pulpit and start saying. And he preaches the word of God, and then <clears throat> every now and then he says, and there is a couple here that doesn't have children. In our culture, you get married and you try to have children. And this couple was different because they have been two years without children. And everybody was elbowing. When the pastor does the altar call, okay, the couple that has no children, everybody was about to push that guy and his husband. And pushing, pushing, go, go, pray for you so you will have children. I don't want to have children. Not yet. She hasn't graduated. I want her to finish her college and then we have children. And Elvin, Elvin, finally, the guy went and pulled his wife and both and the pastor preacher prayed for them. One year separated. He was sleeping in one bed, she was sleeping in another bed just to be sure that no children. <laughs> that was my wife and me. <laughs> Nowadays, it's funny because my older daughter is 29, 29, and she says, why didn't you take advantage of that? I'll be 33 or 32 or 30. I was so young. That's, that's things that happen. But you see, in our culture, it's important to have children. In the Bible time, it was very, very, very important to have children. I don't know how it is nowadays, but I have met people here in America that get married, and they say, no, 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 no children. It's odd for me to think that my children are going to take care of me when I'm old. I don't want to think about that. I just want to be free out of children. I mean, that's a way. I'm not criticizing. Please, don't take this as a criticism. I'm saying about different. If we get people from the Old Testament and put them here in America, they'll be so strange that people do not want to have children. What happened in biblical times? And we're going to go through a story to show you what it is. What happened in biblical times is that you got married and you had as many children possible to take care of the farm or for father's business. It was carpentry. It was uh, not plumbing. There was no plumbing. But it was agriculture. It was the cows. It was whatever you did. You needed a lot of helpers. And children were the right thing to have. So they took care. Plus, they took care of the parents when they were older. That was in biblical times. Nowadays, we have different things. And I'm not criticizing how we live today. But in those times, it was even strange for a woman not to have children. To be barren, not to be able to have children, it was very, very poor, sad. To the point that some people said, that woman is barren. She is cursed. That woman cannot have children. She might be a sinner. Don't touch her. Don't get close to her. So that was the mindset. That was the tradition. It was not in the Bible. But it was how people thought. Don't get close to the barren woman because she might have something. She might have a hidden sin. 
And this morning, we're going to talk about a woman who had that issue, that problem. She was barren. It was not her husband, because there was a proof there that was not her husband. But it's interesting that in the Bible, you have Sarah, you have Rebecca, you have Rachel. Wow! You have Samson's mom. You have Elizabeth. You have so many barren women. And God chooses to glorify himself and to show, I can bring children I can bring family. I can restore this woman, even if she is barren. Starting with Sarah. Because God had promised Abraham that he was going to have hundreds. That he could stand. And if he could count the sand of the sea, he would be able to count his children. That if he could go to the the night and see the stars and count them, he was going to be able to count. So when he says that to Abraham, Abraham believed, but there's no children. Sarah was barren. So in biblical times, what we're saying is it was not nice for a woman not to have children. When I decided to delay for three or four years, it's because we had a college degree in mind. My, my wife graduated. She's a, she's a graduate from, as an accountant in Venezuela. Okay, she's not be able to do that work here, but that's fine. We had the children later. But for them, there was no waiting. It was getting married and having as many children. We have a woman who's living a crisis. But God is so merciful that he can hit two Birds with one stone. Did you know that? He can hit three or four, even five birds with one stone. So we have two problems in the Bible, and God is going to take care of this woman called Hannah. She's living through a crisis, and I hope that you can open your Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 1, because we're going to see this woman who is barren. I'm going to show you how she is barren, not her husband. Oh, poor Hannah. Maybe here is somebody called Hannah. Any, any Hannah here? Anybody called Hannah? No? Okay, we're going to see even what her name means. It's interesting. 1 Samuel chapter 1, because today our crisis, our issue, our problem, maybe you need a car, maybe you need health, maybe this church needs a pastor, but our crisis is God's solution. And God can bring two problems and solve them with one solution. That's, that's the God that I believe. 1 Samuel chapter 1, <clears throat> we're living in the time of the judges. We don't have kings here. So everybody, according to the book of Judges, everybody did whatever they wanted. It was really a mess. The, the life in times of, of, of what we're reading right now, it was really a mess. First Samuel chapter 1, I start with verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramataim, Sophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Suf, and Ephraimite. Ephraimite means that it was from a strong tribe in the north of Israel. Elkanah means God has created. Nice name, Elkanah. I don't see many people call it Elkanah nowadays, but it means God has created. And he had two wives. Uh-oh. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other, Penina. Or Penina. I saw it Penina in Spanish. You call it Penina in English. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Silo. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And wherever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions of Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up 
to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this problem that Hannah had. Father, how does this relate to my personal life today? Father, I pray that at like men last Sunday, like Cornelius and Peter were praying, we can see that women pray. We can see, Father, that you can join this prayer in your own problem, Father. And in our problem, you can put a solution because you're the God Almighty and we trust in you. Father, reply to our prayers. Answer our prayers, Lord. If it's not today, next week, next year, Father, that we can see, that we can prosper, but that also the answer of our prayers will be a blessing to many. I pray these things, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's go back to this situation that we're living here before we go to Anna's vow in verse 8 through 11. We had a name called Elkanah, and he was his naming God has created. And we had a lady, her, his wife, called Hannah. Hannah means favor of grace, favor of grace. And Penaina means precious stone or pearl. Wow, what a, what a nice family. A husband with two wives. <clears throat> uh, he was an Ephraimite. That means he was part of the leading tribe of Israel. Maybe you can say, well, the Bible teaches that a man can has, have two wives. Um, this is a description, not a prescription. Okay? The Bible is describing what is happening. It's not telling you, do this. Be careful. Be very careful. If you are or know, somebody that you know, a good friend of yours says, but the Bible shows that Abraham, David, Elkanah had more than one wife. Why can't I? That's fine. Find one time in the Bible, just one time. Find one time in the Bible where these two wives were not where their children were not killing each other because David's son killed one of his brothers, the half-brothers. Find one time of the Bible where, where you cannot see this white woman fighting for the husband, for the children, for whatever, any story. Find each one of them. And then I'll tell you if it's good to have two wives. A missionary from China one time was telling, showing Mandarin that kind of a sign like this in, in Mandarin, the Chinese language, means women. Okay, so you have a vertical uh, line, like a letter I, letter L, that means women. And if you put something here called a roof, like this, this is roof and this is woman, and this means peace in Chinese. Huh? Good. A woman under one roof is peace. But you put two of these, on the, and it means war. That's a language. I'm not making that up. He's explained me that. You have one woman, maybe as mother and, mother and daughter. Okay, maybe because my mom, and my, my mom and my sister get along well until they live together. So you have one woman and you have one roof. It's like peace. That means peace. You have one woman at home, you have peace. But you have two, that means war. You want a war, just put two women on the roof. And that's what was happening here. This woman was barren. She could not have children. We say, no, the, hus- the husband is the one who's barren. We don't know because we didn't do any tests or anything. They didn't have the science. Oh, he got another wife, and she had children. So the barren is Hannah. Now, it happened that he loved this woman, and he gave the best for her. But I can't imagine Penina making fun. Oh, yeah, look, there she goes. Don't, don't, let, don't, don't get close to her, calling her children. Don't get close to her. That's a bad woman. She's, a, she's probably a sinner. Probably she's been doing something, and we don't know. And stay away from Hannah. She's evil. I mean, and Hannah cried. 
If any of you have been wrongly accused, you can identify yourself with Hannah. You don't have to be a woman. Maybe as a man, you have been wrongly accused. You can identify with Hannah because Hannah prayed, went on her knees and prayed and cried. Said, Lord, clean me, cleanse me. Show me what my sin is so I can confess. What I have I done wrong that I cannot have children? Look, my husband got another woman. And it was allowed in those times. It was permissible because he had to have children for the farm, for the business, etc. So it was kind of well seen. If you cannot have children, then you have to have, let your, your man, your husband have another woman. I, I don't accept that. I mean, the Bible is exactly against that. It's, it's a description. It's not a prescription. First Timothy 3.2 tells that a man should have only one wife. So we have a barren Hannah, and there are many barren women, and I already explained that God does that, but Hannah suffered. Suffered, not only not having a child, maybe she asked, okay, go ahead and date Elkanah, and I'll babysit your children. And, and, and Penina said, over my dead body, you're not going to touch my children. You are the, the evil woman here in this house. You should not be here. I cannot imagine the sadness that Hannah had for how long, for years, for months. I don't know how long she had to just listen to this woman. And that is her crisis. That is her problem. As we keep reading uh, the Bible, we see in verse 3 that he was a devout man. Elkanah was very devout uh, to the Lord. He went every year to worship in Shiloh, and he was fulfilling what the Word of God said. If you come to church every Sunday, for them it was once a year. They went from one city to another to Shiloh to worship there, and they had offerings. They have a good meal and everything, but he gave the best to his wife. But he was sure, Elkanah, that he was teaching the Word of God. He was teaching faith to his family, to both wives and the children. But here's something interesting mentioned in, in verse um, two. Okay, here, verse 3, it says about the son of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. And if you go to your Bible, we, know, we don't have to time, time to do that, but if you go to the Bible, to chapter 2, verses 12 and 15, tells us about the children of Eli, the priest who was in charge of the synagogue of Silo or the temple, I don't know how to call it, had two sons. The guy, Eli, was already old, so the sons were in charge. He, they, if Ophniophilus robbed, robbed, took away from the offerings. It was kind of putting the offering there, and they came and picked up what they wanted. But the offering was meal, the offering was meat, and they took before the, the meal was cooked. So they were stealing, they were taking away things. They abused the woman to, came to pray at church. Can you imagine that? God had a, was against this practice. God was against these two children. God had another problem. Hannah had a problem. She wanted a son. God had a problem. There was no word of God. There was no fear of God. In the temple, it was not nice to come to worship because these guys had no fear of God. Somebody said one time that Ophni and Phineas did not know God. They were just professional preachers, professional pastors. They were there for the Money. They did not fear God. They were not afraid of doing something wrong. They did not take God serious. When you have a preacher, when you have a leader, when you have a deacon, when you have a Sunday school teacher that does not take God serious, does not have faith, does not fear God, we can all end up doing what they were. So God has a problem. God needs to clean. God needs to bring somebody instead of Hophni and Phineas. The other thing that we see here in verse 5 is that, um, that Elkanah treated uneven his family. He gave more to the, one, the woman that he loved, and he gave the good portions to, to Penina and his children. And that provoked Penina to envy and also to make Hannah guilty. 
In verse, 11, verse 8, let's, let's move on with our reading, verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, this is what we never should ask our, our wives. <laughs> That's my Old Testament teacher, professor one time, to said, don't ask this never to your wife. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why, do you, why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? That might provoke Hannah to send the, grit, the uh, skillet to him by the head. Woof! <laughs> I'm upset, I'm angry when a son is there. I'm better than two children for you. She was really sad. Maybe she was not angry, she was really sad. She was desperate. She wanted to prove herself that she was not sinning. She wanted to prove the whole town that she was a good woman. She needed something to show that she was not sinning. She wanted to confess, she wanted to be white, she wanted to be clean, she wanted to, when I say white, not white her skin, she, her heart wanted to be white, okay? And I'm not saying that her skin, she wanted her, her heart to be white, purified by the Lord, but all she knew was that she had no children and her rival kept making her angry. Verse 9, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Silo. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. I'm in verse 10. I'm in 1 Samuel 1, verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. She made a vow, and she said, if you give me, I'll give it back to you. In the Old Testament, the oldest boy, the one who is called, opened the womb, was, belonged to God. That's in Exodus 34, 19, and 20. The Lord says, it's mine. You have to give it back to me, but you can buy it. When Jesus is brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph, he was being bought by Mary and Joseph. They have to give it to the Lord, but they, they, they were given two pages instead. They, they were kind of buying it, giving it to God so they could keep Jesus for them. Well, Hannah is saying, if you give me that son, I will not take it away. I will not buy it. I will just leave it, the Lord, to raise him in church. Uh, he will be there and he will be a servant at church. Now, that's not the best place in Hannah's times. In Hannah's times, that's not the best place to bring a toddler. That's not our best place. These are not the best men that will raise Samuels. Hannah had to take care of that boy if she was going to have a son and pray and instruct him in what to do and what not to do. This boy was going to go back to the Lord because Hannah did not want to hold. She wanted to give. Hannah has the mindset that we all should have. I want, Lord, because I want to give. Lord, give me so I can give more. Provide for me so I can provide for others. Give me love so I can give your love to others. That was Hannah's mindset. She was bitter. She was angry. She was sad. But she still wanted to give. To give to the one who has it all. To give to the one who provides every day. To give to the one who is generous. Because there's nobody more generous. Nobody is more generous than God. You cannot outgive God. You cannot give God more than what he gives you. And I'm talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about resources. I'm not talking about anything you want to give God. If there's anything that you can give him, that he will not provide you more. But I hope you have the same mindset that Hannah. Lord, you give me and I give back to you. You give me because whatever you're going to do with my son, do it and do it right. There is a prophecy. There is a, there is a recount about Samuel in the Bible. I don't have it here with me. Not one of his words, not one of his sayings fell 
to the ground. That means that whatever Samuel said was right. Samuel was able, this boy that God gave Hannah, was able to anoint two kings. The first king, Saul, and then David, Israel. He was a man who was feared when Saul, the first king of Israel, saw Samuel coming. He feared Samuel because his presence was the presence of God. Hannah is praying, and she is praying a generous prayer. How do I pray? How do you pray? How do we pray? Do we pray for ourselves? Or do we pray, Father, help me solve this problem so I can bring more glory to you? Father, maybe you have a situation, and I don't know what it is, but whatever you're going to give me, help me help others. I never dreamed in my life that I was going to be designing. This is beautiful, what I heard this week. This is beautiful. It's sad. The pastor, Daniel Kakawi, it's Hawaiian. That's okay. Daniel, Pastor Daniel, told me there is no place where there are more homeless Hawaiian people than in Hawaii. I hear, my family hears the word Hawaii, and we all think in beaches. Let's go. It's expensive, but let's go. A Hawaiian needs $200,000 as down payment to buy a house. So what is this pastor doing? Building some little things to host families, help them grow some corn and some things, have some animals until they can stand up on their feet and then work. Because most Hawaiians come to the continent to make some money to see if they can come back to their countries, make a living. When he told me this, I said, Father, praise the Lord. I want to be part of that. I want to use my skills to design the place, to draw. And I asked him, do you need pools or anything or basketball? Because he said, no, 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 no recreation. It's going to be very, very simple, very, very plain, very cheap, made, built with air conditioning. He said, we're going to need air conditioning. Our temperature here, listen to this. Our temperature here year-round is around 68 to 72. When it's cold, it's 65, 64, but we never get freezing temperatures. They say, well, wonderful that we don't need heating or air conditioning. So I'm learning about this. But the Lord is using the skills that I learn to put him as an architect to serve these people. How, Lord, can I use what you gave me? How, Lord, can I use what you gave me to serve others? Maybe I'll never go to Hawaii. I don't care. I don't care if I don't go to Hawaii. Someday when I, when I die and resurrect, and we can fly. We can move like angels and go and visit Hawaii. That, that's okay. I'll probably see that, probably not. I don't care. I care that I'll be helping families. And this pastor is not able to pay an architect project, but I can do it very cheaply for him. That is wonderful. I serve the Lord, and I'm, I'm very thankful. Hannah prayed, Lord, give me a son. And the Lord answered, yes, I'll give you a son. But I have this problem. I have evil priests in church, and I'm going to take them away. And the Lord took them away. Oh, it's terrible. I'm not going to read it here. You can read it in your Bible. And the Lord put Samuel as ruler, as a judge in Israel, to teach God's word, to be faithful to him. And God solved two problems, two things. The need for a, a very spiritual, strong leader that fear God, that love God, that could instruct God's word to the people, and also gave Hannah a son. Do you know how many children Hannah had? She was barren. She was barren. But God is the God, the God that we believe, Jehovah, is the God that to the, the person that is barren, he calls family. Six children gave God to Hannah. Six. She gave one and God gave six. You cannot outgive God. You can see it in the Bible. You can see it there in, in second, second Sam, first Samuel chapter 2, how she gave one. And when he, she gave, God healed her, changed completely her. And she started having children after children. Can you imagine Hannah walking with all those kids and saying hi to Penana? Penana already had teenagers say, hi, Penana, how are you? Penana said, oh, look at the barren woman. Now she has a lot of children. Good, good. How are you feeling? 
etc. God bless her because she was generous. She went through the bitterness. She went through the knees on her ground. She went through the anguish. She went through accusations, but Jesus went too. Our Lord Jesus was on, her, on his knees. Our Lord Jesus was dripping tears of blood. Our Lord Jesus was looking, searching for God's will. Our Lord Jesus was praying for us before going to the cross. And out of Hannah came salvation for the people of Israel because Samuel was able to anoint David. And that's, that's another story, but we have a good king called David. Out of the prayer of Jesus came salvation to all of us. Number one, and I want to, I want to make this a short sermon. Number one, bring your frustrations, mockery, slandering, whatever, humiliation to Jesus. Bring them. Bring them today like Hannah brought her frustration, her mockery, her slander. Bring them to Jesus. He was tempted. Jesus was tempted in all without sinning. That's what Hebrews 4.15 says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So what are you waiting for? Bring your frustrations to the Lord. Bring them on your knees. Bring them... Lord, here I, I have, this is what they're saying about me. Father, they're accusing me of this and this is wrong. Bring them to him because Jesus already knows what it is to be falsely accused. And number two, your problem in God's hands is a solution for both. Your problem in God's hands. The problem with us humans is that we hold on to our problems. And we put medicine, we go to counseling, we go to advisors, we share with somebody else, which is not bad at all. But we forget to bring our issues to the Lord. We forget to pray. We say, sometimes my friends say, but but God is so busy with so many things. How can he care for me? If he would not be able to listen to you, if he would not be able to care for your little problem or big problem, he would not be, he would not be, he would not be God. Because he is God, he can care. Because he is God, he was interested in this woman, barren woman, wife of a wealthy man who had no children. Well, she could care for her stepchildren. God could have said, go ahead and care for others. Go ahead and care for sheep. Or, or go. I'm busy with somebody, something else. God cared for her. God listened to her. And God raised from that need that she had, from those tears that she was going through, God raised a man of God called Samuel. Your problem in God's hands is a solution for both. Pray and believe because God is the God who with one stone can hit two or more birds. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Hannah's story, for her example. Father, you are so powerful, so wise, so incredible, Lord, that you have a solution for each one of our issues. We we don't want to... Uh, surrender them to you. That's, that's our, 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 our pride, that we want to take care of everything instead of bring them to you. Father, but it's your glory, is your majesty, not only to solve, but to show the world that you care for women, that you care for children, and you care for the holiness of your place. Thank you, Father, for the good example of Samuel. Thank you, Father, for all the children you gave to Hannah, how she could be glad and take them to preschool and babysit them and and, and watch them grow, Father. Thank you for this wonderful blessing. Lord, teach us that we cannot outgive you, that we cannot give you too much. If we do it with gladness, if we do it with joy, Father, you will provide so many good things for us. Thank you, Father, for the job that you have given me, January 23rd. Thank you, Father, because you're providing 
Lord, I have mixed emotions as I want to continue helping this church and providing and, and preach here. But I know that you have more people that can speak better English or, or are more uh, in tune with what's happening in this congregation. And I thank you, Father. I praise you because you're good. I praise you, Father. But maybe here in this place, there is a person who wants to bring something, a health problem, a family issue, just like Hannah had. Somebody here has a problem. Somebody here has a doubt. Somebody here is being accused, falsely accused. Father, I want to pray for that person. I want to pray for that family. I want to pray for, even if the person's not here, and here's a relative or a friend of that person, and that person wants me to intercede, I want to pray this morning, Father. This is what we are for. And when we pray and we connect with you, Father, when we connect with heaven, oh, Lord, many good things are going to happen. Oh, Father, I praise you. I celebrate, Father, your love and your care. Will you answer our prayer this morning? Because you really love us. Jesus, you're our most loving God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.